near sideline. Trinneman is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that! Touchdown Cougars on the first play of the game! Takes it down the right side of the lane, right to the rim, scoop, and a score! It rolls around and drops down. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post. What a goal! He's been on the headset for the last quarter century of BYU sports. Now, he's on BYU Radio every week as we go behind the mic with Greg Rubel. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening, Cougar Nation. Welcome inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Our weekly hour of Cougar conversations with the BYU sports personalities and BYU TV sports personalities that you've come to know and might like to get to know a little bit better during our show. We are live on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYUradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Catch the show on demand via the show page at BYUradio.org or on my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast. Lots of ways to listen. Well, tonight we'll be visiting with the Cougars, wide receiver coach and one of the most skilled wideouts ever to suit up for BYU, Ben Cahoon will be in studio. A Canadian Football League Hall of Famer, he put up record-setting numbers during 13 CFL seasons, all with the Montreal Alouettes. And if you know that league at all, the CFL, you'll know that to spend an entire career with one team up there is a rare thing. He was among the most valuable of Alouettes, and they never let him go. Ben is in his second go-around as the Cougars wide receivers coach and is getting his guys ready to play Saturday. It's finally here, the opener against Portland State. Also on tonight's show, former BYU soccer star Ashley Hatch, who left the Cougs as one of their all-time top scorers. She became the second overall draft pick of the National Women's Soccer League team in North Carolina, and she will join us from Carolina for a conversation on our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU alumni. But we start tonight's broadcast with the now traditional visit with a member of the BYU TV sports family, and this week we say hello and welcome to Lauren Franklin-McLean. Lauren, hello and welcome. Thank you, Greg. Hey, Greg, not everybody gets a symphony to introduce the show like you just did. It's pretty You were even leading the music. I wish everyone could see that. Yeah. You loved that intro. I do and like, I did, too. I do like that music. Yeah. So you've added, uh, you've added a name since uh, last <laughs> season, let's say. Uh, it's a recent occurrence. Uh, fill it us is. in on uh, the extra syllables that you, uh, you, you added to your name. Well, a great guy moved here from Texas, and I scooped him up. Started dating two weeks after he moved here, and the rest is history. Steve McLean, shout out if he's watching. Great husband. And, uh, yeah, two months ago we got married. Tied the knot. I'm 31, Greg, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm setting the new standard for Utah County is what I'm, you know, what I like to say. 21-year-old, no, 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 31 it's all is good. where it's at. It's all good. So I know you a little bit, but I don't know a lot about you. We've uh, been teammates here for a really short time. I, mm-hmm. I just came on board in the building here a little while ago. But, of course, I've seen you around for years. Um, <laughs> give us the... Uh, um, uh, Give is kind of that's kind of impolite. Would you please tell us? <laughs> would, you, would you please share manners, with us? Greg, your, please share with us your background, uh, where you came from, where you were born and raised, and uh, where you went to school. Those kind of things. Yeah, born and raised in, in Pleasant Grove, Utah, so just a little bit north of here. I went to uh, Snow College. Actually, did you got, go to PG High School? I went to PG High okay. School. Yeah, how could I skip? You were a Viking. I was a Viking and very proud. Still bleed Viking blue. This Saturday, you're not cheering for Vikings, but you were a Viking growing up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cougar this weekend, Viking. Normally, really. yeah. Yep. Okay, so Pleasant Grove, and then Snow, you say? Then Snow College, and then I... In beautiful Ephraim, Utah. I loved it down there. My folks lived in Ephraim for a number of years, and I got to really enjoy our trips down there. And really enjoy the smell. 
you know, lots <laughs> of turkeys, I, lots I, of feathers on the side of the road, which is really interesting when you're driving. But I, I just loved it. I learned to love that. As soon as I saw the feathers, you know, when I was driving to school, I'm like, mm-hmm, get close to this home. is the place. So from snow to where? From snow to SUU for a little bit. I served a mission after that in uh, Chile and then came back to BYU, did the broadcast program here. And then a year after I graduated, I started working here at BYU TV. When did you know that this is something you would like to do for a living? Man, I, I took a film class at Snow College, and we just d- did dumb things like music videos and stuff. And I've always loved sports. I played tennis, softball, basketball, and track in high school, and a little bit of tennis in college. And so I'm like, how can I combine these two things? It's super fun, work with cameras and sports. And then then it just popped in my head. So you're, you're a bit of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, a bit of one. Uh, at, in high school, what, what did you do most? Um, I, basketball was my favorite. Basketball was my favorite in high school. Um, do, you, do you still get up shots? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do. Played. You still play regularly. Listen, the, the PG League is one of the toughest rec <laughs> leagues out there, Greg. That's what I hear. If you if you can come call one of our games, and I'm telling you, Alexis Kafusi plays. Some of the former BYU basketball players play, and so you still hoop. Clearly, uh, yeah. I, I'm the, I would say I'm the aggressor. I'm I'm like the <laughs> defensive specialist. You know, I'm, I'm getting in their face. I'll get some steals. My shots aren't as good as they used to be, but time will do that to you. So you did some comm stuff in college, realized uh, this might, you know, but you mentioned the film class. I, as part of the comms program I took here at BYU way, way back in the day, pre-mission, um, I, we had a, one of our classes involved film. We had to go shoot our stuff and edit our own stuff, like with, with real film, with razor blades mm-hmm. and tape and all that stuff. <laughs> And Glenn Kozlowski was in my old? class, and oh, we got no, we got Glenn. we got paired up on a project. And I remember, I mean, I, I was a this is either freshman or sophomore year. Either way, he is a star on the football team, uh-huh. and he's in my class, and we're on the same project. I was so intimidated. <laughs> I don't recall what we did. I just know I probably wasn't very good because I, I wasn't thinking straight, realizing that I'm I'm kind of working on a project here with Glenn Kozlowski. And Glenn's a handful. Yeah, he was then, and and probably still is now. Uh, we haven't. T- in fact, we got to get him on this show in one of our catching up with the Cougar segments. And uh, yeah, so that that was one of oh, those things that to. I that I immediately remember was how I was blown away that uh, this guy who I would watch on Saturdays <laughs> was working with me in in my class. So that was a how cool many thing. words did you say to him in that class? That's the like, real question. Count him on one hand. <laughs> I, I was. People think I like to talk a lot, but I was pretty speechless uh, with him. So I I had a sense uh, when I came to BYU. This is what I would like to do. Um, you never could see it ending up this way, but uh, right. uh, from from college to where we are today, how much time has kind of passed, and what did you kind of do uh, to get to here? From college to today? Yeah. Well, Michael Miner is a, my phenomenal boss, and I started out as his assistant, which I still am, and then after a little bit, he, he started giving me uh, opportunities to sideline. Started with women's soccer, which I still do, and I love to this day, mm-hmm. and then just kind of kept adding, as I proved myself, kind of adding upon that, and, and then here I am. Football was kind of the pinnacle for me. I I love it. I always wanted to be a sideline reporter for college football and always a big BYU fan, so this is kind of the dream job for me. So you kind of have that identity now as as a sideline person here at BYU TV, but you also have um, also gained a reputation as kind of a features producer slash presenter. Uh, tell us about um, tell us about between the lines how came how that came about in terms of an idea. And maybe uh, how it's developed to where it is now and where you see it going. Yeah, it actually started with Kate Hansen, the Olympian. Kate mm-hmm. Hansen, she was the host of it. And uh, they just they wanted to do something to, to kind of spice up BYU Sports Nation and uh, get a little more exposure to the, the smaller sports. 
and just see the personalities of the athletes. And so that's how it started. And then Kate left and I took over as host. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work because we do a new one every single week, but it's, it's so much fun. We honestly, every day we're like, how, how is this our job? We're seriously just messing around <laughs> every single day and we get a cut, we get paid for it. It's phenomenal. So it's been super fun getting to know the athletes and uh, their personalities and, and some of those small sports, you know, men's tennis and, those guys are hilarious, and, and you just wouldn't yeah. know it until we do Between the Lines, and so it's been awesome. But Greg, no, but Hold on. Before, uh, before you go on. Because no, you know where I'm going with this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we're going we're to get to it. Uh, <laughs> Between the Lines, by the way, is L-Y-N-E-S for obvious reasons. Yes. And I want to get the hashtag right. Is it BYU underscore BTL? Yes. Okay, it. so hashtag BYU underscore BTL. Get all the latest uh, Between the Lines stuff. Uh, and again, a regular segment on BYU Sports Nation that pops up online all over the place. Yeah, so what popped up online <laughs> yesterday... Um, beautiful, a beautiful thing. Yeah, was uh, the superlatives. You know, anyone who watches late night TV knows that uh, there's a certain feature out there in which uh, they, they, they take a look at famous people, athletes and others, and say most likely to, and then fill in the blank. So some of the BYU TV sports personalities had some fun with some of the BYU football players, putting them in the uh, most likely two categories, and they uh, got their revenge. And uh, they put my picture up. And, uh, yeah, Chris, sorry about that, Greg. That's right. And, and, and Chris Wilcox had a good zinger at my expense. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Because it was really only Jason Shepard and uh, Jer- or no, it was Spencer Linton that were doing these superlatives on the show. But we're like, you know what? Let's throw in the whole crew. Let's throw in the whole crew here. And so, unfortunately, you were one of those... But it was too good. My shiny head lends it itself to those kinds of things. So yeah, it was it was classic. I I appreciated the humor in it. So uh, yeah, and I, I was get an ha- earring. Happy to retweet so. that last night. Yeah, yeah, the earrings an interesting addition. So <laughs> you've done a lot of stuff. You're doing a lot of stuff. What mm-hmm. haven't you done yet that you'd like to do? Oh man, that that's a really hard question because I right now I feel like I'm I'm doing everything I love. I'm I'm staying busy, but uh, just You're staying for- married. I'm staying married for now. No, no. Yeah, I'm staying married. That's the plan for now. But uh, yeah, so so we'll see what happens. I've kind of, in my whole career, I've just kind of taken it one step at a time. People kind of present an opportunity, and I, I say yes. I've rarely said no to, to opportunities, and it's gotten me where I'm at now. So so we'll see. I mean, maybe Jeremy Spencer's job. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. I don't want one of their jobs, but <laughs> they're too good. They're well, too quirky. I'm glad we got you in here, at some, and we were going to do it at some point. It came this week, and we'll do it again, I'm sure. Before you leave, uh, before you take off, you've been uh, around camp, of course, as we all have the last month or so, mm-hmm. and now we're just days away from the season opener against the Port- But what are you doing Saturday, by the way? What's your responsibility so, yeah, Saturday? Yeah, I'll be sideline reporting for BOE TV on Saturday. Okay. Yeah, you'll be yep. on the sidelines where we expect to see you. And counting out a kickoff and the postgame show as well. So a lot of stuff going on. It's a busy day Saturday. TV and radio are all over the place. Uh, BYU TV, BYU Radio, all day long for BYU in Portland State. See uh, Lauren, hear me. That's the way it goes. So your <laughs> thoughts, uh, if you can... Uh, um, Put on the reporter's hat for a second and, and give us maybe a, a few thumbnail impressions of what you've seen and what you think you'll see from the 2017 BYU football team. What I've really loved that I've heard uh, is about Tanner Mangum, just how the coaches have said it's almost night and day from last year. And, and understandably, because he was behind Taysom Hill, a lot of things going on in his life. But I love that he's off of social media. And what I've seen, this, they don't let us see a ton of fall camp but from what I've seen, he's he's very crisp. His throws are right on the money, and I just love what I've heard from Kalani and Ty Detmer that he is he is the guy. He looks phenomenal this year, and he's so confident. Uh, the team looks up to him, so that's something I love. I actually think it's really interesting the move of Matt Hadley to linebacker. I was thinking about it today that uh, he and Francis Bernard are both running backs converted to linebacker. So it's interesting they did that to replace Francis Bernard. They brought another. 
running back. And Matt had to stop at safety in between, of course, right, and right, yeah, exactly. done, done a lot of everything. But he talked a little bit about uh, being able to see the holes better, just being able, playing that running back position before, and uh, it gives him the leg up as linebacker. He said, you know, he talks about if I was a linebacker, or the running back right now, what hole would I take? And then it, mm-hmm. it can play better defense. So I, I think that'll be an interesting move, and I'm, I'm actually really excited to see that. And honestly, I'm just excited to play some football. Well, not me. I'm not playing, but... Maybe some flag football. We're excited, we're excited to watch it and <laughs> yeah. hear it and see it, and it all comes up on uh, Saturday. That'll be exciting. Great to have you in here in Studio 2 again. We'll do this again uh, awesome. in, in, in weeks and months to come, but I was glad we got you in and uh, got to know a little bit more about you, where you've been, where you're going to go, and uh, yeah. it's been uh, fun being one of your teammates. Agreed. Thanks, Greg. You bet. That's uh, Lauren Frankham, McLean. She is on the sidelines and between the lines. Hashtag BYU underscore BTL to see her stuff. This show is hashtag BYU BTM. That's behind the mic. And we'll come back after this with BYU wide receivers coach Ben Cahoon joining me in studio. You are tuned to BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. My name is Greg Rubel, and you are behind the mic with Greg Rubel. We are back with Ben Cahoon right after this. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Born in Utah but raised in both Canada and the States, Ben Cahoon was a very good wide receiver at BYU. He was a great wide receiver at the CFL. In 13 seasons as a Montreal Alouette, he set numerous records for team and league, some of which still stand. Among his career numbers are more than 1,000 CFL receptions, more than 13,000 receiving yards, and 65 touchdowns. He once had a catch streak of 144 games. He had 32 career games with 100 or more receiving yards. He passed the 1,000-yard mark nine times in 13 seasons. He won three Grey Cups. He kicked a game-winning field goal. After retiring from pro football, Ben came home to Utah and coached BYU's wide receivers in 2011 and 2012, and again now, starting with the 2016 season under new head coach Kalani Sitake. Ben is a master of his craft, whether catching or coaching, and he joins me now in Studio 2. Ben, thank you and good evening. Wow. Hey, thanks, Greg. I see you got my mother's email. She was very stats. specific. She yeah. was very precise, and I followed it to the letter. Yeah. <laughs> so you were in studio. This is the theater of the mind, folks. But here we are on radio, and a band is wearing a T-shirt with the word "legend" emblazoned on the front, and above the word is uh, is an image of a young Lavelle Edwards with his arms crossed. And I saw this shirt on Ed Lamb Monday on our coordinators' corner show, and I see it on you right now. And the minute someone saw Ed with it on Monday, immediately the tweets come in, where do I get that shirt? Where do I get that shirt? And my impression was, it's probably going to be just kind of an internal thing. Maybe the coaches will get it and it'll be like a collector's item and we'll like see like six in the history of, of, of you know, the world. So this shirt is the coolest thing. What is the story? It is. I wish I knew more about the story. Um, I really don't know much about the background. I think it is uh, the brainchild of Kalani and, and maybe Dwayne Busby. Um, and... Uh, you know, I put it on this morning, and and you feel a kind of a responsibility. You you it makes you think about the impact that Lavelle Edwards had on you personally and on this program, and and it's it's an honor and it's it's humbling to to wear it. We're all kind of accustomed to seeing uh, you know similar images of Lavelle 
usually later in life, cap on maybe. This is like, uh, this is maybe, it's pre-head coach era, Lavelle. This is 60s era, I think, Lavelle. Maybe he's when he's just on the defensive staff here at BYU. Uh, kind of buzz cut, and, and again, not, not, not the typical Lavelle. It's, it's a great look. It sure is. Um, I think that um, there have been, talking to Dwayne a little bit, and, and um, you know, even the guy who designed it, it was a deliberate thing. There's so much of Lavelle in the later years, and, and this is different, and it's really mm-hmm. cool. No, it's cool. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, like square-jawed, kind of like old-school football guy. I love it. It's fantastic. Anyway, it's, it's kind of a side note, but uh, since I've now seen it twice, now I'm starting to get jealous, and I want one of these. I'll see. I, I know some people, but I don't know if I know enough of the right people. Uh, <laughs> let's settle the debate um, that, that surrounds your origin, because you played in the CFL as a Canadian, yet you were born— in the United States of America. So uh, give us the background on how it is you get to play in Canada as a Canadian, but you were an American. Give us the whole uh, background there, because people think you were you were born up there, you weren't, and people th- who think you were born in Orem are also wrong, right? Correct. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, long story. In the CFL, every team has to uh, have a certain number of Canadian players. And, and the rule, the league rule up there is if you spent like more than seven or eight years as a child in Canada, then you qualify as a Canadian. And, and I qualified as a Canadian um, up there for that reason. But I was born in Utah, just kind of a fluke thing. My parents, my dad came down to BYU. Now, your parents, Canadian, right? Parents born and, and raised in Canada. Um, both of them, my grandparents are Canadian. Um, but my parents came down from Alberta to a summer semester at BYU when I happened to come to this earth. So... Um, I was born in Ogden, and my parents were going to BYU, but they uh, had a doctor they knew and liked that was in Ogden. So anyway, kind of crazy. Spent about a month of my early life in, in Utah while they were finishing up that semester of school, and then we went back to Alberta, and I lived there until I was eight years old, and then we moved back to Orem. So you're you're very very formative, as in zero to eight up up north, and then back uh, to Utah County, and then. Uh advance a few years and you're in high school at uh, Mountain View, correct? Correct, yeah. What were you most drawn to athletically at Mountain View? I played football. Uh, didn't start playing football until I was in 10th grade, um, but I played basketball and soccer as well. I was probably best at soccer, enjoyed basketball the most, and ended up playing football. So um, there weren't too many opportunities at that time. Soccer-wise, my uh, I could have come to BYU and played soccer, um, but it was a club sport and there was no scholarship money. So, what position on the field were you playing in soccer? Center forward. And goal uh, scorer. Yeah, a little bit. Tried to, and then I got a little academic scholarship to play football up at Ricks and and followed the money a little bit and and uh, played at Ricks for two years and then transferred to BYU. When did you uh, get the sense that? That, that, that BYU was interested in you and that you might actually be able to finish your career down here? Uh, they were never interested in me. I was, it was more of <laughs> myself just throwing myself onto them. But, um, you know, we sent highlight films down, and, and um, I, I had a good career at Ricks College and had some smaller school offers, you know, scholarship offers, but I figured I, I felt like I could play at BYU. And uh, so I walked on to BYU and... Um, was lucky lucky enough to be awarded a scholarship pretty shortly thereafter because you had you had one redshirt season here right 
Yes. Would that, would that have been a walk-on year, or did you have a scholarship as a, as a redshirt? No, I came and so walked on and paid for my... Paid so you paid for, 95. Yeah. Then 96, 97, you're on scholarship. Correct. Okay, so your last two years, you're BYU scholarship-wide receiver. And uh, and, and you, you, you put up some numbers. I mean, you had BYU numbers uh, by the time you left here. And uh, I'll just uh, quickly recite a couple of Ben's numbers as a Cougar. And one I'm actually curious about, so I want to ask you. Um, so over the two seasons, 68 grabs, 1,000-plus yards, uh, six touchdowns. And some memorable catches that people still like to point out, and including one against Texas A&M in 1996, which is a full layout. In 1997, it credits you with one rush for 18 yards. I have no idea. You remember that play? Because I don't. Uh, it was probably a reverse. Um, Did they call a few a few of those? As, as far as you, I mean, clearly I, you you ran one time, so yeah. uh, wouldn't say a few, but. I can't remember. Had to be a reverse or something like a block, something that you recovered, but you don't remember it right off the top of your head. No, I don't. It happened. They tell us it happened for 18 yards. But uh, more known for catching it than running it, certainly. Um, BYU career concludes. And by the way, just uh, if you had to distill your BYU career into one or two moments that still stay with you or the most salient to you, what are they? Definitely the Cotton Bowl victory. Uh, That was kind of the culmination of a fantastic year, 14-1. and and we played a very tough, formidable schedule that people don't realize, but we played a lot of top 25 teams in that schedule, and it was it was a great football team from top to bottom, offense, defense, special teams. So um, we go in to the Cotton Bowl and play a good Kansas State team, and, and it was a classic game, and that, was, that just was uh, – kind of icing on the cake for that great season. Of course, guys like Chad Lewis are on that team, and you work with Chad in the same building, so you're seeing him a lot. Uh, aside from guys who you might be around normally, who are some guys from the 1996 team that you still uh, keep in touch with or are close with? Really close with Dustin Johnson, the Moose. Uh, Paul Shoemaker was my roommate, and, and he and and I and my wife have kept in close touch with him. Uh, Brandon Condy was a deep snapper and tight end. Cliff Doman, Cliffy. Uh, ben, ben Cook. Those are guys that uh, we have a real tight group still. We get together quite often. Were any of those guys, was Ben Cook a Rick's guy? Snow As, College. Snow College. Were there any Rick's guys that came down with you from your team up there? Uh, Aaron Roderick yep. the, the following year. And before that, Ed Lamb, Jim Freeland, um, uh, Cook. Uh, Corey Cook? No, not no. Corey. He was a safety, forgetting his first name right now. But. So Ed Lamb, uh, you played with, and uh, your first stint coaching at BYU, he wasn't here yet, now that he's here. Um, when you saw that he'd be a part of this whole staff that you were joining, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I, it was just kind of comforting. I knew that he had you know, been a head coach. He'd run a program, a very successful program, and, and turned it around. So um, I just kind of made it a point to try to pick his brain as much as I could, and, and I still do, and he's kind of the wise old man in the room, so um, he's he's a real great guy to have on our staff to bounce ideas off of, and, and for him to use his experience and his knowledge and wisdom to, to help guide Kalani. So we're talking with uh, Ben Cahoon, former BYU and CFL wide receiver, current BYU wide receivers coach. If we were doing this show in a studio in Montreal, 
uh, th- th- there's a good chance that you would have had to wade your way through some admirers before you got to the studio. Uh, Ben's kind of a legendary name uh, in, in Quebec and in Montreal. I mentioned some of his CFL stats. He has his number retired by the Alouettes. Uh, he is a CFL Hall of Famer, 13 years in the CFL, and I made the remark at the top of the show, if anyone knows the CFL, 13 years with one team, not everyone does that. That's kind of a rare thing to have one guy last that long with just one team. Yeah, it's it's rare. I mean, it's professional sport, and and you bounce around or you you get cut. So, um, I didn't think I'd ever play that long. First of all, and I I never thought I'd play that long in in Montreal. My relatives are all in Western Canada and Alberta, and I thought I'd like to get closer to home. Um, but um, it it worked out that way, and and Montreal was great to me, and the owner and the general manager were fantastic to my family and I, and and. Uh, we strung some good years together. How good did your French get up there? Uh, pas mal. Uh, no, it's it, not very good. Uh, Montreal is a majority French-speaking city, but you can get away with English if if you can endure some rudeness. Um, they don't but, totally freeze you out, but they, no, they realize some, that you're— Sometimes they do, but um, anyway, you can get away with English. So it didn't force me. And like I said, I didn't think I'd play that long there, so I never— really applied myself like I should have, really, with the French. Might help a little bit when you're one of their favorite football players, which you were for a long time. Anthony Calvillo, who, in terms of BYU fans' recollections, is only known as the guy that uh, led the Aggies to a 58-56 win over BYU back in the day when he and John Walsh combined for like 5,000 yards in one afternoon. I've only heard about that uh, several dozen times because (laughs) Anthony brings it up monthly. And I played with him for 13 years. So. Anthony may not have played. Now, he, now he, I think he had a Vegas or something. He was with another team very briefly, but he was basically known as a career Alouette. And you guys had quite the connection over, over more than a decade. Um, and that's a unique thing, too, to have a quarterback and wide receiver kind of work as a tandem as long as you guys did together. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was very valuable for me. And we came to Montreal the same year, and we both were backups initially. As a rookie, I, I was not starting the first few games. And we kind of developed the chemistry by being on the scout team and, and grinding it out and trying to go against the, the number one defense. And, and uh, that's where it, you know, it all started for he and I. How did you know it was time? You talk about stringing some good years together, a lot of good years, three great cups, which is the Canadian equivalent of the Super Bowl, and a lot of individual accolades along the way. How did you know? When did you know? And did you really, really know when it was time to call it quits as a player? Well, I could tell from my body that just wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. So you always kind of try to monitor that in in the years as as, as you get older. But I, I just knew. I mean... The year before I retired, I kind of had some injury problems and didn't feel like I had a great year. So I was motivated to rehab, get healthy, and and prove that I could still run run with the young bucks. And um, but I knew going into that last season, it was going to be my last season. I still have uh, a few pair of vintage Ben Cahoon cleats in my garage. Uh, Ben's a near neighbor of mine, and there was a time when he just started giving me stuff, and I, I, I still thank you for that. I've got Alouette's caps and uh, Reebok and Adidas cleats, which I shouldn't say. Uh, wow. uh, you know, I used over, to be generous. Yeah, and so, uh, again, those are, those are uh, safekeeping, and uh, I, I would never give them up. Uh, so you coached at BYU for a couple of seasons uh, earlier in this decade. And you're you're now for your second stint. Uh, what have or how have you become a different coach from first go round to second go round? If you have, 
Well, I, I just appreciate the the business and um, and the second opportunity. I, I feel lucky to have a chance to to be a coach. Uh, the coach being a coach is a dream job, and um, you know it was there was a time where I, it was taken away from me, and the fact that I have a, chance, a second chance to come back to BYU and and associate with these players and and these other coaches is it's just an amazing I, I consider myself lucky every single day i know you consider yourself lucky to be the father of many daughters and uh, it's only daughters in the cahoon household it's a it's a it's a beautiful life that way we had only daughters for a number of years in our place and your oldest is still serving right yes i've got four girls my oldest is in melbourne australia on a mission she's about halfway finished halfway through um and then i've got twins that are going to going to be seniors in high school at lone peak and then an 11 year old so i get my testosterone fix at, at work every day <laughs> yeah you're around enough of those guys uh the staff that uh, kalani's assembled uh, just seem i mean it's it's they're all BYU guys. I mean, there's maybe one or two people that didn't play for BYU on the staff. We talk about uniqueness and rarity. That's that's another pretty cool thing is you're not going to find too many homogenous staffs the way BYU has where they were all BYU guys for the most part. I mean, Coach E. Tuiaki is probably the, the one mainline guy that didn't play here. Right, and he grew up in Provo, and he he's very familiar with yeah. BYU. So, And probably um, could have come to BYU had it been, you know, I mean— if, I think he went on a scholarship down south. He could, probably could have walked on at BYU easily if he wanted to. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think it's important. I think it's valuable. I think we understand the, the landscape of BYU and the uniqueness. I, help, I think it helps us in recruiting. And um, we understand each other. There's a familiarity that, that is really valuable, I think. And it's, it's neat. It's neat to, to go to work with guys that you grew up watching, that you're aware that, that – of what they did and what they accomplished at BYU, and and, and I think it gives um, you know gives those guys some some street cred with the the players. You're a coaching teammate of Kalani's. You were a playing teammate of Kalani's here, right? Correct. Uh, if you could, did you have any impressions back then as you worked with him and played with him and got to know him? Did you see? Could you see a future coach in him? Just kind of the way he was, his demeanor, how he carried himself, uh, how he um, I don't know. Uh, Played the game? No, I probably wasn't that perceptive. Um, but uh, Lavelle, I think, as it's been documented, Lavelle saw that in him and encouraged him along that path. But um, he was just a hardworking, talented player. The people people don't realize, you know, he was a fast dude and he was athletic and um, he was a good all around football player. What uh, are are his? defining characteristics as head coach uh, based on your perspective right now? Well, the players will do anything for him. They, they know he's got their back. They know he love he genuinely loves them and he's a great motivator. He's a people person. Everybody feels comfortable around him when they rub shoulders with him, associate with them. They leave with, with the same impression like, wow, that guy's the real deal. And, um, it, I've seen it happen time and time again with recruits, with recruits' families, with boosters, with players, and he is great with people. And um, that's that is, I think that's his greatest strength. And I think it's it's one thing that has really um, 
done wonders for the for the program right now. His typical greeting is a hug, generally speaking. He is a hugger. I am not a hugger. I'm I'm trying to follow his example and become a hugger. But um, you just love him instantly. You go for the handshake, and he's wrapping his arms around you. And mm-hmm. he just has a great way of making you feel comfortable and important and loved. And it's it's an awesome thing. You've had a busy day. You have a scheduled night ahead of you. Before we let you go, uh, I'd like to ask you about the group of wide receivers with whom you are working here in 2017. Maybe in some general terms, your expectations for them as a group and, and what you think they're capable of here in this season. I love this group. Uh, it's a diverse group. We've got fast guys and we've got big guys, big bodied guys that maybe aren't as fast, but um, you know, bring strength and, and size to the to the field. Um, so we've got some possession receivers and then we've got some speedy guys and, and our speed is, is legit speed and we're going to run by some people. Um, the expectations are very high. They're young, they're unproven for the most part, but we expect them to get open and make plays at a high level. And, uh, we know we're not going to be perfect, but we're going to catch more than not. And, um, we're going to make some big plays for our quarterback. Nick Kurtz led BYU with 49 grabs last season. All the wide receivers combined on your roster right now have 44 career catches. So they're kind of starting from a baseline that, that lets them build from the ground level and and kind of learn and grow together with you. Yeah, it's exciting. And, and you know what? They are learning how to be professional. They're learning how to do the extra things that it takes to, to be great. Um, there's no quick fix uh, to learn the art of of routesmanship, I, I think I made up that word, but um, it's a process of learning how to run a route and, and manipulate a defensive back and, and get open and catch the ball at a high level. So um, they're learning about what it takes to get to that level. The expectation doesn't change because they're young. We expect them to make plays and make tough catches. Um, but um, they're, it's a process, and they're they're well along in that process, and they're giving it their all, and, and I love working with them. They may not all be as good as Ben Cahoon was right now, but if they aspire to be, BYU fans will be in great shape uh, this season and beyond. My thanks to you, Ben Cahoon, for coming into Studio 2 and uh, joining me on the show. Um, I, I knew you were one of the first people I'd like to have on the program, and on this opening week, with a lot of expectations for your group, I thought it would be appropriate, and so thanks for making time for me. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Greg. Always great to see you. All right, that is Ben Cahoon coming up. We go to the pitch, where Ben was a noted goal scorer. We're going to talk with Ashley Hatch, former Cougar soccer player, coming up next. She's live from North Carolina as we continue. You're tuned to BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. BYURadio.org and the BYU Radio app. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. We've got Ashley Hatch as we go catching up with the Cougars next. Stay with us. Did you know that BYU has more than 80 alumni chapters worldwide? It's a way to connect with other alumni, help students in need, and help spread the influence of the Y all around the world. Most places have chapters where you live, and there are also chapters based on what your major was or even your profession. And chapters do great things, like helping provide financial aid for more than 400 BYU students this year. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. BYU alumni, connected for good. 
Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. A BYU women's soccer player from 2013 through 2016, Ashley Hatch quickly established a reputation as a scorer. Six goals in her freshman season, 18 as a sophomore. Injury limited her to four goals as a junior. Then healthy again, she scored 19 goals as a senior. It had been almost 20 years since a BYU soccer player had that many goals in a single season. Her Cougar career ended with 47 goals and 115 points, both numbers ranking fourth all-time in BYU women's soccer history. Only one other player, Shauna Robach, accumulated more shots over a BYU career. Ashley went on to be the second pick in the NWSL draft, selected by the North Carolina Courage, and her first season as a pro has her in the mix for Rookie of the Year honors, certainly already five goals after becoming a starter about a month or so into her first pro season. Originally out of Gilbert, Arizona, before she came to BYU, Ashley Hatch joins us on the line live from North Carolina in our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni Connected for Good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Ashley, do we have you? Yes, I'm here. Hey, it's good to have you on. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Very, very well. We have a new show here on BYU Radio, and I knew I'd like to have you as one of our our first guests right as the BYU soccer season got underway. They're just a couple games in. You're more than a couple games in, and we thought it'd be great to catch up with you. And I mentioned a moment ago uh, Gilbert, Arizona before BYU. I'd like to know, was Arizona home for a long, long time, born and raised? Because I don't think I ever knew that about you. Um, no, actually, um, my whole family are actually from Southern California. I moved to Arizona in eighth grade, so I went to high school there. So I kind of call it home just because that's where, you know, all your growing up happens in high school. <laughs> do you, so do you consider yourself at your heart more of a SoCal girl or an Arizonan? Uh, I claim Arizona. Did you like uh, growing up in California? Yeah, I did. I, I really enjoyed it. Lots of competitive soccer and really good weather all the time. <laughs> so Carolina to Arizona to, uh, rather, California to Arizona to Utah to Carolina. What's life like in uh, North Carolina for you these days? Um, it's pretty good. Still, like, getting used to the humidity. It's kind of different, but so far it's been pretty good. <laughs> so wh- wh- where are you living uh, now that you're playing pro there? Um, I'm living in Raleigh. Part of what they, they call it the research triangle, right? The triangle? Correct. Yeah, yep. yeah. One of those things you kind of get to learn a little bit about. So, uh, before we get to the pro career, and there's a lot to talk about as a pro, I want to go back to your your soccer playing career as a young player. Um, I mentioned the 47 goals at BYU. You've already scored a bunch of goals as a pro. When did you know that you had the knack for finding the back of the net? Um. I would probably say in high school, in high school is when I made the transition from actually playing attacking center mid to forward. My, I came in my freshman year of high school telling my coach that I played center mid and he switched me to forward and I've been there ever since just because I really enjoy scoring and it's, um, I don't know, I just feel like a lot of my strengths are great for that position. Do, so. you, do, you, do you ever, do you remember any of um, like high school numbers you put up? Like what was a big season for you scoring goals or, or do the numbers kind of uh, like not, not resonate with you? Do you remember some big numbers as a high schooler? Um, I don't remember my numbers. I know they were up there, but 
I can't remember how many I scored, but I know it's a good amount. <laughs> it was enough that got you recruited to BYU. Did, did you always have BYU in the back of your mind? Was that going to be a destination for you, or were you open enough to be recruited by a bunch of different people and, and see what impressed you? Um, BYU has always been a school that I wanted to go to, but you never know, so I kept my options open. But the first time I really knew I wanted to go to BYU was this summer before my freshman year of high school. I went to a soccer camp and like fell in love just with the campus and the coaching staff and the facilities and the players. And so I always wanted to go there. But at that young of an age, you don't know if they want you. So I kept my options open, but BYU was always in the back of my mind. Did you did you keep going to camps at BYU after that first time? Yeah, I went every summer <laughs> till my senior year. <laughs> And and so you were camping um, with BYU players, obviously. You got to play, I'm sure, with, uh, practice with, be coached by um, players that ended up being on, say, the Elite Eight team, for example, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so uh, what what was the, like, when you were in those camps and or going back to play your high school season, having, you know, gotten to know some of these girls that were playing for the Cougars at the time, did you feel like you could hang, or was there a little sense of... Um, uh, maybe not intimidation, but uh, when you got up to really kind of prove to yourself that you belonged to that level, or, or did you feel pretty confident? Um, going into those camps and being like a freshman, I wasn't even a freshman in high school yet. I was a little intimidated. You know, these girls are in college. They've got a lot or a couple more years of soccer experience on me. But I would say I was intimidated at first, but then as I started getting older and maturing more in the game, I and I got closer to my senior season of high school, I felt like I could start to hang with them. And I just like learned a lot and I loved being around them because I just felt like the competition was so much better and it wasn't the competition that you're getting in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like they helped me with my confidence, especially coming into my freshman year of college because I played with them in high school. And so I had a little taste of what it was like. But that's the thing. When when the current players, the current BYU players are are doing camps, you know, in June and July, um, they have days where they do free play, and they'll invite some of the campers in to do free play with them, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, and and so I always, it's always funny because you'll see the regular BYU players out, and you'll see a few, you know, campers, high schoolers, kind of scattered, and you always wonder what those kids are thinking. Like, I just got mm-hmm. called by the coach to come play with the real team. That was you at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> and yeah, and, and I always always wonder what they're thinking when they're you know ninth or, or tenth graders uh, here uh, playing with you know big time collegians, and uh, you know it probably takes a little while for your heart rate to settle down, I would guess. So BYU was coming off an Elite Eight season in 2012 when you began as a freshman, right in 2013. Yeah. So you kind of knew what you were in for relative to the tradition of the program. Uh, coming off the Elite Eight, you're now coming in as a freshman. Even though you knew what you were in for, um, what was it like to, to get out there the very first time and realize you were you know, being part of now a tradition that, uh, that you know, made the tournament every year and, and advanced to the Elite Eight just the year before? Um, I would just say I, it became a reality real quick, you know, just transitioning and moving out to Provo and just getting – started right away because you know once that elite eight season ended that team starts for the next year and so it was really cool to just get started and you know try to pick up where they left off I know they they lost a lot of great players that year but I felt like it was a great opportunity for me to come in and just try and help carry the team and help like rebuild that year and I don't know it was just a lot of fun and it was an overall great experience 
Visiting with Ashley Hatch, former BYU soccer star, now living in Raleigh, North Carolina, playing for the North Carolina Courage. So the Elite Eight team in 2012, you're a freshman in 2013. They had just won their first ever WCC championship in that 2012 year. And then you came in and you never did anything but win conference titles. You had four seasons and four conference championships. How proud are you or were you as a team of that, the fact that you won conference titles every single year you played? Uh, That's a huge accomplishment. I'm super proud of my team every single year. I mean, it's a goal we've had from day one, you know, starting training. And so I just am proud of my team. And it just shows how, I don't know, BYU has just a record of winning and we love doing it. And it's just like embedded in us. I talked about your six goals as a freshman. That kind of shows you you can do it. 18 as a sophomore. Expectations sky high now coming into your junior year. And not too early into that, uh, not, not too late into that year, you suffer an injury that uh, takes you out for quite a while. Do you remember that time, the injury when it happened, and your 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 mental state at that point? Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. I think my junior year is probably the year that I remember the most vividly, just because my whole world kind of slowed down for a little bit, and I just like wasn't like in the groove that I wanted to be in. So I had a lot of time to just kind of think and remember and take everything in. When and how did it happen? The injury? Um, I think it was against, it was against Oregon state and um, me and a girl kind of collided in for a 50, 50. And I felt the impact of the injury right away, but still played the second half and actually played two more games after that until I was like, okay, something's really wrong. And then finally got an MRI with the results. Now, I don't remember the particulars, but I do remember, Ash, that it was kind of a unique injury. Is that accurate? Yeah, it was It was kind of odd just because um, the way I got hit and the way like I planted, and it was like a hyperextension with an impact. And so that's why I think at first they didn't think anything was wrong. I My femur came down and hit the top of my tibia, so I had a surface fracture. So it was kind of strange. <laughs> So that's your junior year. Uh, it limits you to four goals. You came back at the end of that year, right? Yeah, I came back for the, the last two games of the tournament. Did you ever feel like yourself even after you came back? Not in that season. <laughs> it really took a while, didn't it? Yeah, it definitely took some spring games and some games in Italy to finally feel like I was back in the rhythm of things. That's right. I remember the Italy trip and kind of thinking, yep, she does look like she's back again. But it was, uh, I know, a difficult time for you. Uh, Then your senior year starts and uh, you're kind of resetting expectations. And it was probably as good a year as you or the team could hope to have uh, making it to the third round of the NCAA tournament. 19 goals. It's a big, big number in college. Um, So from where you were as a junior to where you got to as a senior is a lot of credit to you. How much do you think, looking back and kind of in hindsight, that the time on the shelf, the time on the sidelines, and having to kind of uh, kind of deal with and uh, understand everything that was happening to you helped you in your senior year? Uh, I think it helped me a ton. I don't know if I would have had the same senior year I would have without that injury just because it made me hungry and it made me want to come in my senior year and just give it my all because you, you never know when you have to stop playing soccer. And so that kind of happened to me my junior year. And I was just really thankful it wasn't my senior year because I had another year to, you know, give, give it my all and give it a chance. So your, your sister Bree was with you at BYU for a time, and she actually ended up with an injury very similar to yours, as it turned out, didn't she? Yeah, it was actually the exact same injury. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, update us on her right now. 
Uh, she's doing good. She's been home for the summer working, and she'll be back in Provo, I think, actually tomorrow, ready to start as a student at BYU. So she's excited. Not playing, but back as a student. Your, your senior year uh, at BYU included some, some time with, with Team USA. You've since gone on to wear the red, white, and blue internationally. The international part of your career, or the red, white, and blue part of, of your career, I'm sure you look at that as a, as a great blessing. Uh, how much of a blast has it been to, to be a part of that program, along with everything else you've done? It's been so much fun. It's been a huge honor to, you know, rub shoulders with some of the great coaches and great players that are also wearing red, white, and blue. And I've just learned so much. And any time I can put a USA jersey on, it's an honor and it's so much fun. Again, you've got to be a pro about it. You've got to act like you've been there. But I've got to think that uh, every time you put that jersey on, there's a bit of a uh, a bit of a uh, shock to the system that uh, this is this is a real thing. And I'm 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 with these these pros and with these international players, and they're expecting things out of me. But uh, what a thrill it has to be for you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you uh you have a question from Twitter. Uh, Maddie Smith on Twitter has asked you what the most rewarding aspect is of playing at the professional level. That is a great question. I would say the most rewarding aspect of playing at the professional level is being able to influence younger players and let them know that they can make it to where we are today. You know, I was in all of their shoes at one point, whether they're 10 years old or, you know, 20 years old, like getting ready to go to college or whatever, every stage of soccer in life. Like I've been there, we've been there. And, you know, one day they can be doing the same thing we are. So I think that's probably... The best part is just meeting those girls after games and giving them that hope that they might not have. Yeah, and those moments end up on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, your team, the North Carolina Courage, do a great job on social media of, of portraying that part of your lives. It's a great deal. Before I get to the Courage, before you got to be a pro player, you had to get drafted. And draft week uh, was was quite a rush for you, I'm sure. You went number two overall. What a huge honor. And uh, I know you expected uh, to put yourself in as good a position as possible. Um, did even number two surprise you, or did you figure that was going to happen, knowing who you knew about the coaches and players that were looking at you? Um, I knew I had a good chance of going in the first round. Number two, I think I heard a, like it was thrown around a little bit like the day before the draft, but I really had no idea. So it was a huge honor to hear my name second, and I was just super thrilled. Okay, life with the courage now. Uh, you are a starter, but you didn't start out that way. Again, there's another learning process. There's a whole new learning process. There's a college learning process. There's a USA learning process. There's, a, there's an NWSL learning process, and you've had to go through all of them. Can you uh, give our, our listeners a sense of, of, of the year it's been for you from getting in as a rook to now being part of the starting 11? Yeah, for sure. Like you said, it, it really is a process, and I think anyone who has entered the draft and been drafted in to a team and having to start out as like almost like a freshman in college all over again but you're a rookie in the pro world is you just have to be willing to learn and to soak it all in and just you know know that you're coming into a team that has roles that are set and sometimes those roles aren't in your favor but all you can do is work hard and hope for the best and so that's basically what I did I just worked hard and you know tried to take every opportunity I had while cheering my team on and eventually my chance came around and I tried to make the most of it. One of the coolest things about seeing you score your early goals is how quickly you'd run over to the bench and celebrate with the players who were really with you for the first month or so. Yeah that was that was a lot of fun we uh, as bench players you know we're the biggest supporters of the people on the field and 
So I know what it's like to be on the bench, and we've always talked about, like, if one, any of us score, you better come over and celebrate. And so, like, that's the first thing that came to my mind. It was, oh, I got to go celebrate with my homies on the bench. <laughs> you, you scored in your first start, then your second, then your third, then your fourth, and you just scored in your last game. The most important thing is you guys keep winning. You're top of the table. You've got a great group. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, every week it's a different challenge, and every week you know we're working hard to figure out how we're going to beat our next team. And so far we've done a good job, but we've still got a long way to go. Well, we hope to see you uh, continue to progress and end up uh, pro- end up uh, advancing in the postseason. And uh, BYU fans are are now your fans, and the North Carolina Courage have a bunch of new fans they didn't have when the year began. I know that. Uh, last thing for you, Ash, uh, how closely connected are you till still to the players, your former teammates, and how much do you still follow BYU soccer and know what's up with the girls? Uh, I still follow them pretty closely. I watched the game the other night. Actually, Elena Medeiros was here in North Carolina watching it with me. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so we were both watching the game, you know, cheering them on, texting a couple of them before. And, yeah, I'm one of their biggest fans. So, <laughs> Well, we, we, you know, we're trying to get off the, off the schneid. We have one goal in two games, and so we need, uh, we need to find some, some players with your goal scorers mentality to get, kind of get going, and I'm sure it'll happen as we move along. And, you know, starts to the season are like that. You know, sometimes things start out a little bit too slowly before you catch fire, and that's what we hope happens with, uh, with our group this year, right? Yeah, for sure. They'll figure it out. I believe in them. Ash, really nice catching up with you. Thank you for coming on tonight from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, where you are with the North Carolina Courage. Again, they are the, uh, they're the favorite team of uh, BYU fans right now with you doing so well. been wonderful to see you uh, score like you're scoring, uh, play like you're playing, and uh, once a Cougar, always a Cougar, we know. Good catching up with you, and best of luck to you the rest of the season and into the postseason. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's Ashley Hatch joining us on our Catching Up with the Cougars segment. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and wrap it up for our fourth edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. You're listening to us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. Catch this show on demand on the show page at org or on my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast feed. Back to say goodnight right after this. Well, Cougar Nation, thanks for tuning in tonight to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. You can hear us every Wednesday, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Eastern, a one-hour show. Again, weekly Cougar Conversations. Tonight, we learned about the life of Lauren Franken McLean. We talked about routesmanship with Ben Cahoon. Ben thinks he just invented the word routesmanship tonight, and he may have. We talked about the uh, art of Catching and Coaching with Ben Cahoon. And we caught up with Ashley Hatch in North Carolina as she continues her career with the North Carolina Courage. She's also in the uh, Team USA plans and future. And she was one of the best BYU Cougars ever to lace him up with the women's soccer program. Next week, Austin Colley is among our guests. So we'll talk to you next Wednesday, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. This has been Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Good night.